welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hello and welcome to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church and I just love sharing with you each week. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to connect with you, to bring you all the exciting information we have here and to be in community this way. And this really has turned into a community. I'm so aware as I move through various places in the world, as I'm on shows, as I host people here, as there are summits that I'm part of and as there are various other gatherings I participate in, is we are part of this huge global community of healing. And one of the things also that is interesting is that if you aren't aware of that, if you're feeling cut off or isolated or alone, then you often are not aware of all of those currents of thought and consciousness and exciting new developments in human potential that are happening. But there are so many of them, and there's so much good news in the world. Like every once in a while, I check into the news, I read the news, I read New York Times, I read Google News. And of course, there's just an endless parade of problems there to focus on. And then I go read good news. There's tons of good news. If I want to know more about a topic, I will go and look for the data on it. And often the data is really amazing. Just like, for example, recently, I was really concerned a few months ago about the deforestation in the Amazon, and of course, who isn't, hasn't been for the last few years. And deforestation is a huge problem. We know that trees sequester carbon, and cutting them down is a really bad idea, especially in the lungs of the earth, the Amazon. So I was really worried about that one day. And of course, it is a real concern. I'm not in any way saying it isn't, but I wanted to see what the other facts were, the global perspective was. So I looked up the UN report on forestation and deforestation. It turns out there are many countries, many, many countries that are being tracked by the UN that are actually reforesting. And we have more forests today than we had 20 years ago. And among the forests that, among the countries that are reforesting at a rapid rate are India and China. The two biggest countries in the world are not deforesting, they are reforesting. And so the net effect is not only that trend globally is not only positive, it's accelerating in a positive direction. So it's really worth listening to high energy health, making sure you're counterbalancing any negative narratives going on in the news with positive ones, and paying attention to your own well-being by immersing yourself in positivity. Positive music, positive news, positive people. Bring all of those into your life to create positive thoughts and a positive consciousness in your own mind. And this show is my contribution to your mental health (laughs) and your well-being. I do this every week, a labor of love to give you something that you can count on that's going to bring you in a positive direction and also is going to inspire you to take action. So have a notepad handy. On your device, make notes every week. You'll find lots of practical ideas that can really move the needle in your life to a happier life and a healthier life. My guest today is Emily 
Francis, and I'll just say Emily A. Francis, because her website is Emily A. FrancisBooks.com. She has a degree in exercise science and wellness. She's also the author of several books on wellness and health. She also moved to the island of Malta in the Mediterranean a while back, and she's been writing a regular column in a local tourism magazine there. That's also inspired her to a new book. And we'll talk more about her new book and also about her work and what she's discovered over there in the next while. Emily, wonderful to have you back on the show. Dawson, I love being on your show. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a joy. And so I know when we last talked, you had just moved to Malta with your husband, and you were just adapting to life in a whole different time zone, continent, country, currency. (laughs) I've come a long way over here in Malta, I have to say. And I moved here with my husband, my two children, and four animals, America, to Malta. So we still, we did lose our cat of old age. Thank goodness, he had a a beautiful passing, but uh, we still have three dogs. The older dog. They're still hanging in there with us over here in Malta. So life is, I've really figured my way through the country now. So I'm having a really great time. Yeah, you can figure your way through the whole country with a small island country like that. It's not a vast, sprawling yeah. coast to coast. <laughs> it takes 40 minutes from north to south to get across the island. 40 minutes. So people all the time, they're like, you're going to drive to the fishing village today? And I'm like, it's 20 minutes. Everything is 20 minutes. I'm like centrally located and really everything is 20 minutes. So from an American, that's nothing. But for a local, they're like, I can't believe how much you drive. I can't believe how far you go I'm in a day. I can't believe you're just going to go It's like, really okay, I can get there in 20 minutes, 30 tops. And then we take a ferry, we go to the next island over, Gozo, the sister island. And I always am reminded that even that, doesn't take a whole lot of time out of your day to jump over and, and go visit my friends at the salt pans or whatever it is that I want to go see. There's a lot you can do here in a small place. You know, I should probably be asking this question last rather than first, but do you plan to stay? I do. I do. We plan to, to make Malta our home. We wow. Have no no plans so of leaving there. Yep. When did that flip? We never came here with a time limit. Like we came here to make it our home as part of my husband's company. And so there was never a thing, but it was basically like, if you're not happy, though, you can go back. You know, the headquarters is still, well, actually, the headquarters is here in Malta, but they still have an Atlanta office. But I knew I wanted a GMO-free country. To some people, that sounds really outlandish. To me, it was really important. And so I knew I wanted to come here and make it our home. And then I have young children. So putting them in school here, I want them to complete school over here. Such a different education system over here. And, and I love it. I, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to them and to us. So we're we're here. So you presumably been able to keep some of your same clients there and work on them with them via Zoom? No, because uh, I'm a hands-on body worker. I can't work on somebody across the world without touching them. <laughs> so, you know, and it's interesting because I don't have a work visa over here. And that was sort of the trade was we're going to move over here with my husband's company. But I am not going to have a work. So I wasn't in practice. I had no body work over here. The only body work I've done is in trade. I work on my dog's acupuncturist trade. I've worked on a couple people in trade. But other than that, I'm not in practice. And it, it was a 20-year run of body work. But I knew I'd already started to step back because of writing the book and hosting the show and raising my kids. So I always just kept a handful of clients in Atlanta. But being over here... 
not having a work visa has been one of the most liberating experiences of my life because I called the magazine and asked to write for them. And their response was, we would love to have you, but we can't afford you. And my response was, I'll work for publicity. And so it became a trade. And so what I do here on this island is I go with a camera crew and I do live on-camera videos to the local farmers, fishermen, and chefs about the way that foods are grown and harvested and prepared on this island. So I've created a whole new niche for myself. I write in the magazine every month. Now I have a food column with a local chef, a chef and a foodie on tour, and we do restaurant reviews. And even I had a director and a producer come from Germany, and they put me on their German food network to study Maltese pastizzi. It's a specialty item here. And they said to me, oh, the producer is so excited because we're going to have a food writer on today. And I thought, oh my gosh, is that me? Am I a food writer? Is that my new job? Like, that was so exciting. I was like, are you talking about me? (laughs) So I'm very hoarse right now because it's really cold here. And in Malta, it's a humid cold. So it climbs into your bones and settles in. And there's no uh, central heat or central air. So the only warm room is my bedroom. (laughs) The rest of the house feels like an igloo. So I have this really hoarse voice. So my apologies to your listeners. But but I'm apparently now a food writer. Hey, you know, let's take a moment here and just let everyone who's listening to us in the audience reflect for a moment on what might you be? What unexpected turn might life take? And what might you be? So what if you're listening to Emily and I right now, what would you be surprised to hear yourself introduced as? So Emily was surprised to hear herself introduced as a food writer. (laughs) (laughs) So just take a moment right now, take a breath, just pause and reflect. What would you be pleasantly surprised to hear yourself introduced as? So now here you're in a new place and someone's introducing you and the saying, your name is, and then this thing that, is delightful and surprising to you. What might that be? What might the new you look like? What might the new unexpected potential in your life look like? Just take a moment and reflect on that and maybe write it down as well on your notepad or on your device. So just take a moment and reflect on that and ask yourself that question as a way of interrogating your own potential, interrogating your realm of infinite possibilities in the quantum space and see what, what might collapse into a, a pleasant surprise for you. <laughs> I, I've got mine, Emily. Oh, what is it? Retired. I've been in the process of retiring for a while and it's a multi-stage process, but you know, I've just, I finally wrote the, the word retirement in my journal this morning, which I'd never oh. dared do. So. Wow. <laughs> so I mean, what, that's what, what really it? coming up then. I mean, oh, if you yeah, wrote it this yeah. morning and then we're having this conversation, that's a big deal. Yeah, and you basically are retired and you found a new niche as a prematurely retired <laughs> body worker. I really am. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, to me, the other question, not just what would you be delighted to hear yourself be described as, but what would you do in your life if money wasn't the payoff? Yep. What are the things that you would do because you genuinely have passion to do them? I knew I wanted to continue to write. I knew I wanted to create a place for myself here and carve a niche. And what I've been able to do for the last two years, I've been interviewing these farmers. And I've had to be like a stalker to find these farmers because these people are guarded and they live on the ends of the island. And you can't just walk in and go, hey, I want to interview somebody for strawberries. Like I went to the store 
I followed the farmer in, ate the strawberries. They were amazing. I go back the next day to the same place. And I go up to the woman and I said, can I have the farmer's phone number for the strawberries? And she said, why? He's my brother? No. I was like, well, because I want to put him in a magazine. I want to highlight they were the best strawberries I've ever had. No, no, no. Cannot. I will not. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm trying to do something nice here. And she's like, no, here's what you do. You go to the farming town. You stand in front of the big church. You go meet a farmer. Go, 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 go. And I'm like, that's like the story of how I've gotten every farmer in here. So I've had to go and track down random people, introduce myself, the American, beg them for their time and letting us come to their home. And since then, have built this Rolodex of people that now I call one farmer and go, hey, I need prickly pears. What do you got? And then they give me a number and then they call and they vouch for me and say, no, she's good people. She's good. Let her come. And so I've built this thing. But would you really go to that much trouble? You were not getting paid, but was not your passion and your desire truly. And that's been eye-opening for me and powerful. So in the course of doing this, what have you learned that really relates to not just the health benefits of eating that affect that close to the earth, but also the personal growth benefits? You know, I talk about this in the book, and this really is the backbone of the book. But as I meet all these different farmers and I follow the seasons of what's in and what's being harvested and what tricks they do and how they grow things, the thing that I've resonated the most with is the olive tree. The olive trees, they grow, they need to be 20 feet apart from other olive trees. They need to have the sunshine on all their leaves in order to grow. And I watched things like I planted two olive trees. I had my gardener plant two olive trees at the same time. They were the same size. They were the same age. I planted one in a giant potter, a giant pot. And I planted another in a, a farm area. The one that was planted in the farm area is about six times bigger than the one I planted in the pot, even though the pot was huge. It just never had the space. And so I had it repotted this year and I apologized to it pretty much daily. I'm really sorry, buddy, that I kept you behind because it looks like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. And then right across the way is this big, gorgeous olive tree that grew because I gave it this year. That's us. That's people. So I kind of resonate to the olive trees. And the other thing I think is cool, olive trees, almond trees, and peach trees have male and female branches on the same tree. Whereas mostly you have to have a male and a female, and the female trees are what grows fruit. It's, it's the whole thing. I, like getting to know these foods as personalities, as energies, has been very different because it's not what do I need to eat today. It's how do I tend to my crops? How do I talk to my trees? How do I resonate with them? How do I provide them a solid space to grow? How do I do that for me? How mm. do we all do that? So that's been more my experience. How do I provide a thriving space for myself to grow? That's another profound question you can meditate on. We're going to go to break in a few moments here, but it's well worth reflecting on that. What is my, what is the space I need to give myself to grow? And even more, perhaps, what is the space to give myself to grow that I'm not giving myself now? and perhaps never have given myself. So maybe it's time you haven't given yourself. Maybe it's the physical space, physical location to go do something. Maybe it's a piece of equipment. Maybe it's something you haven't bought that you know would really facilitate your well-being. I know when the pandemic hit a few years back, I bought, I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I bought exercise bands, rubber bands. So 
Did you buy bands or are, do you, do you really need to buy, go buy bands? Do you need to buy a yoga mat? Are there things you need to give yourself? Not necessarily hugely ambitious things, but are there props that would facilitate your well-being? Think about these questions and make that list. Because again, Emily and I want you to be really engaging with these ideas and seeing how you can apply them in your own life. So what's your 20 feet of space between you and the next olive tree? <laughs> As we go to the break now, you can meditate on that. And again, write these things down because they're powerful food for thought. You'll find once you start to contemplate questions like that, they'll take a life of their own in your mind and you'll find answers coming from your higher power, from the universe, from your body, from your psyche, from your archetypal history. All kinds of answers appear when you make space for them. So that's the next question for you. What is your 20 feet between olive trees. We're going to a break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to High Energy Health, and Emily's website is emilyafrancisbooks.com. We'll be right back after a break. Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm your host, Dawson Church, and I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to have you taking care of yourself. I'm thrilled to have you filling your life with positive news, positive media, positive messages. I have had many people in the last week join my nine-month mentoring program called The Short Path to Oneness. It's a program about how to enter elevated states. It's based on the principles of Vedanta, non-dualism but applied to a Western audience and filtered through the lens of neuroscience. If you'd like to know more about that nine-month program, go to shortpath, S-H-O-R-T, shortpath.org, org. The registration is open now. It closes this weekend, so we can begin our nine-month journey together. And again, that's at shortpath.org. If you'd like to know more about Emily and her work, go to her website, Emily. A. Francis Books. Emily A. Francis Books. You can see more about her books there, her work, and her newest book called The Taste of Joy. Emily, I'm also curious about this idea of applying this to our lives. I think you have other exercises and concepts in the book about applying these principles to our daily lives. What are some of the other ones that you advocate? Well, I do food for thought at the end of every chapter. And one of the ones that I talk about is all the excuses. So I do want you to think about what you would do in your life if money was not the payoff. What would you do in your life uh, with your 20 feet of space, as you said? And then I want you to write down all the reasons why you can't. All those excuses that we've constantly made of why this is not possible. And then once you write them all down, I want you to burn them. Because they're all, like you said, Dawson, they're self-imposed. Not all, but most. Most of them, if you were not you reading that same paper, you would disagree with some of the points that are made. So even like over here in Malta, just recently, and it's pretty brave of me, I've joined dance classes. Now, that sounds like, okay, easy. But it, because of my years of anxiety, it takes everything I have to show up. Just everything I have. And then I leave there really happy and excited. I'm glad I did it. But that was me putting myself outside of my comfort zone because comfort zones keep us small. They just keep us small. They're that Charlie Brown 
olive tree in the pot because I didn't give it room to grow. And I've done that to myself time and again. So what does it look like when we go break? You know, I mean, the worst that happens, and I have to say this to myself, I'll go to dance and say, all right, if you get anxious, if you freak out, get go to the bathroom, leave the room. If it gets really bad, go home. Like, and nothing like that has happened, knock on wood, but it's just give yourself that chance to go big and see what you can do just for fun. So give yourself the option of going big. Try it knowing that you can pull back if you need to, if you want to, but start that process of pushing past your comfort zone. I know for me, Emily, it's been exhilarating. I do that, and it is a little bit scary. And Stephen Kotler talks about the ratio of stretching to beyond the known to what we know, and he finds that if you do just a little bit of that, it puts you in a flow state. So we get into flow states, and it is scary, but you do it and you discover it was scary and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, and I think that that, I think those small, because there are certain people that have sort of crossed the divide and they play with that scary because it's fun, because it becomes empowering and strengthening. And so we kind of look for ways to get that for ourselves and challenge that comfort zone and go, you know what? I don't mind being a little bit scared because I want to do something different. It becomes a little bit of, I don't want to say an addiction because that's not the right word, but something where you find yourself being drawn to those experiences, like thrill seeker. You're like a thrill seeker, but with yourself and your own level of braveness. Yeah, and thrill seeking can be an unhealthy addiction. I'm thinking clearly of the people I know do things like, oh, what is it called? Bodysuit gliding, and we jump off a cliff and you have a yes. set of wings. And, and the mortality yes. rate of the people in that sport is very high. And there are some sports that are really dangerous and that, that where thrill seeking can become, and that can become an addiction to your own cortisol. But, you know, if it's flower arranging, that is what you want to do. <laughs> then do it. I took a course at the Mediterranean Culinary Academy, and yeah. that was out of my comfort zone. But it honestly, I took it because I needed to learn how to make salad dressings. Because over here, they don't sell bottled salad dressings. So if you want your salad to have any kind of dressing, you better learn how to make one. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to, my boss is, my husband's boss and his wife and I took this course how to spice up your salad because, you know, it was like, all right, well, I would like my salad to still have some dressing. <laughs> but it's a new, it was new, fun. It was exciting to learn more. And then you realize that, you know, I've spent 25 years in body healing, studying anatomy, physiology, kinesiology, you know, body healing and all the different things. And it became my everything. So even though I'm well studied and I've taken a bunch of courses, I really never left that field. And then moving here, I didn't have a choice. So then it was like, okay, what else interests me? Because I really have not ever sat down and thought about that. What else is interesting to me besides writing? Because that was my big jump out. What about so friends? Oh, oh, I love friends my friends. And then making friends. I have more friends here. Well, I have more friends with a tighter relationship because you're on a small island. So you show up. So I have a date every weekend with my two best friends. We go to coffee. We have a date. And our families know they're not invited. Like every weekend we are going, me and the ladies, we're out. And then I have a lot of moms from the school. And they're so much fun because Malta is a conglomeration of a lot of expats. So my dearest friends, Brazilian, French, Greek, Russian, Maltese. you know. So I have this eclectic group that I've pulled together of just the wildest, zaniest, funnest people. <laughs> and and it, it's made me become more fun. I mean, even like, I think my husband said this to me last night. He goes, 
happy. It really does look good on you. I just feel so much less pressure over here. People are just very come as you are. Are you good people? If you are, you're invited. If you're not, you're not coming back. <laughs> but if you're good people, you can come to this table. Come and share. Come and play. And people are very touchy here. They're very huggy. I'll give you an example. I went to the grocery store this morning, just me. And this older gentleman walked past me and spoke to me in Maltese. And I had to, like, think about what do you know in Maltese? How do you respond? So I turned around and I said, which means I'm well, thank you. And he turned around and he goes, what? I said, and he said, oh, you're not Maltese? And I said, no. And he came right up to me and he put his hand around my arm, which is how people speak here. Like in America, that would be not nice. But here, he just was like trying to be close. So he put his hand around my arm and he said, well, where are you from? And I said, I'm from the United States. And he goes, oh, United States is big. Where? And I said, oh, Atlanta, Georgia. And he goes, Oh, CNN. You know, and then he just walked away like, okay, good day. But that's how people here interact. They touch, they hug, they greet, they want to have a conversation. It's really a, a very different way of life. And I have to say, I love it. I really love it. Yeah. And I know some of the people that are most affected by the lack of social contact develop symptoms. And so loneliness is associated with several epigenetic changes. If people are lonely, it literally shifts their gene expression. And the number of people who characterize themselves as lonely has been rising globally for the last couple of decades. And it's associated with all kinds of health problems. So the opposite effect is found in studies showing that, for example, people who are richly networked socially have healthier hearts, have longer lives, even if they are maybe not as healthy in their habits. So it's really powerful as a protective factor in our health to have that close socialization. You know, I was reading, I, I'm now friends with the Mediterranean Olive Oil Academy, since I'm now obsessed with all things olive oil. And I have the, the founders, one is in Sicily and one's in the UK, and we Zoom, and they teach me how to try new olives. They're just so sweet. Anyway, he sent me a bunch of data on the olives, but also on longevity. And it turns out that over here in the Mediterranean, we generally have 10 years longer on the average lifespan than what you see in the United States. And so over here, you see a lot of elderly gentlemen and women, but a lot of men. Whereas where I come from in Atlanta, you do not see a lot of older population, especially men. And when my mom came to visit, she could not believe all the men. She was like, what are all these old men doing here? I can't, I've never seen so many old men, you know, and she's like, these are my people, you know, and it's really incredible because the longevity here, and part of me thinks it's the weather, part of me thinks it's a lot of the food, but it's also because there's a love embrace, and I think people just don't want to let it go. So I think they live longer. I really do. I want to live forever so I don't let go of the weather, the food, and the the people. Exactly right. I do. I firmly believe this. I believe they do not want to let it go, and therefore, they stay. You know, if your life is wonderful, you have no desire to cut it short. And then it certainly isn't that sort of long, slow decline we associate in Western countries, Western medicine, with your body aging, getting more and more disabled, eventually winding up in a nursing home, and then being in long-term care and having a really poor quality of life the last few few years. We're going to go to a break right now. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. For more on Emily's work and her new book, go to her website, emilyafrancisbooks.com. We'll be right back after a break.
Thanks again for tuning in. You're listening to High Energy Health. My name is Dawson Church. I'm so glad you're here. Please do bookmark this page and come back often. I'd love to have you here every week. And you'll find that once you make this part of your mental and physical health routine, you get hooked. You really want to feel good. You want this flow of information. You want to be around people like this. Make this part of your family. Make this part of your community. We love the whole concept of community. It's there in everything that I do. It's everything. It's there in our whole community of healing. And so make us part of your community. Make yourself part of this large community of people who are focused on a wonderful consciousness and a wonderful life. So again, bookmark the page. Come back here often. For more on Emily's work, go to her website, Emily A. Francis Books dot com emily a francis books.com and if you want to look at the program i have registration is only open for a few more days but it's called the short path to oneness it's a nine-month mentored program in transcendent states we found now how to bypass the ten thousand hours in the monastery and go there really really quickly stay there hang out and see your brain change that's all at short path s-h-o-r-t short path dot org dot org and again registration closes in a couple of days so make sure if you'd like to do it you join sooner rather than later i know i was really stunned emily when i read that research on loneliness and how epidemic it is and also those adverse genetic changes that happen in the body to literally think that being lonely feeling lonely feeling disconnected from other people is producing shifts in your the genes that are turning on in your body is a pretty stunning idea. And then that so many people are in that place where they're not feeling that sense of connection. So how's what's your take on this as a body worker, as a connector, and as the person you are? I've worked on a lot of people over the years that started crying as soon as I made contact, as soon as my hands touched their skin, because it was the first time that they had been touched with no ulterior motives with an unconditional open touch that is professional and they haven't been touched in so long and in a safe space that their bodies weak. And so the reaction is fast, really fast. Even if I place my hands on their feet, even if I place my hands on their head, it doesn't have to be in a particular area of the body. It's having a loving touch without any expectations, a really clean and clear touch to speak to the body to say, you're safe here. We're going to help you release. We're going to speak to your nervous system. We're going to help you balance. And I think people that are especially really lonely people or people that live alone or people that haven't been touched in years, potentially, it's a very overwhelming response because it's that fight flight. I don't know that I trust this. Okay. I, okay. I, do trust this feels amazing. I don't know what to do with this because it's so far removed from my life. And then hopefully you get up and realize I need more of that, not just in body work, but in human touch, in collaboration, in a space of hugs. Like when I hug somebody that I love, I like to put my face on both sides to have my heart touch heart to heart to make sure that my heart really connects right into their heart. And I realize over here, people kiss on the cheek side to side. So they do the same thing. I just always hug, did my face side to side for the heart. But they do that always here because they kiss 
keep the cheap and, and always embrace really tightly. And going one step further, I'm children here. The education system is very, very different over here. I will say it's not broken the way that we've gotten accustomed to. And teachers are not terrified that you're going to cry some some foul move if you hug children. So the, the teachers here still very much embrace the children. They're very, there's a word here in Maltese, poopa, which means doll. And every morning you hear, good morning, poopa. And they open their arms and they hug the kids and they kiss the tops of their heads and they, it's all very loving. And that I haven't seen. So when I walk in, because not only do I pray for the column, I rode the school bus the first year we did kids care every day for the first year where my kids went. Because every, on the school buses, they have chaperones. And those chaperones make sure that the kids are being uh, buckled and being kind so there's no bullying. And so there's always a safe, and it's usually a retired little woman. And that year was during COVID and they didn't have enough staff. So I rode the van every day. And I would get to watch not only the children, but nobody knew me as a parent yet. So I rode the van and then stood across the street with the rest of the workers and got to watch the way that these teachers embraced the children. And it was awesome. It was really fantastic because these kids are being grown. They're being raised with family mentality, community mentality, not just in the schools, but with everybody's families. My friends come over and hug all over my kids. I hug on their kids. I haven't hugged on other people's kids in years because it never felt safe. And now we all hug and love on these children and cook for them. We show our love through food, through touch. Touch is so magnificent. So even though I'm not doing a lot of body work, there's a lot of touch happening over here and it's safe. I remember when my kids were teenagers, once my daughter brought some friends home and as they walked in the door, she said to her friends, I got to tell you, we give long hugs here. <laughs> Because, you know, most people give very short hugs and then right. they're just a little hug. And often there's this concept that Wilhelm Reich had in the 1920s called body armor. And sometimes you'll hug people and you'll feel their armor. They aren't able to relax into a hug. And so I know in some workshops, a lot of people just hug each other for 20 seconds, which doesn't sound like very long until it you're is. hugging somebody for 20 seconds. <laughs> I was just thinking 20 seconds. That's funny that you said that because I was thinking what happens after the 20 second mark? Do you hold long enough to let them? I think that's a nervous system response, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, like it is. After 20 seconds, them. something else shifts. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And I do find like my friends, when we hug, we really hug over it's like a grizzly. You know, we find ourselves like rocking side to side and, you know, jumping around in circles like children and hugging and it's really, I feel younger over here. Now, also because most of my, I had my children late. So the moms that I'm meeting are a decade younger than me. You know, and it's always like, oh, yeah, we're not the same age. But in my head, we are. You know, you are who you put yourself around. Yeah. And it's really powerful to put yourself around people you want to be like and you want to emulate because what you're learning from them is a, a template. You're modeling yourself on them and you're seeing a template for that. One of my funniest personal examples was uh, my dentist told me for years, actually more than 10 years, probably you need to floss dorsum, floss and floss. And I bought dental floss, but I never got in the habit of flossing routinely every night. And then I was on a, a business trip with a friend of mine, a wonderful guy. And he and I just spent a few days on trip. We stayed in hotel rooms together. And so we were just thrown together a lot in the course of that. 
and he flossed every night. And just being with somebody who just flossed every night for about a week, suddenly I learned to floss. So we just learn these things from other people, and they're really powerful. We're going to go to a break right now. You're listening to High Energy Health. For more on Emily's work and new book, go to her website, Emily A. Francis books.com we'll be right back after a break hello and welcome back to high energy health I'm your host, Dawson Church, and I'd like you to do a couple of things right now. One is bookmark this show so you can come back week after week after week, make it part of your mental health routine. You will feel happier, you will feel brighter, you will feel healthier as you implement things you hear on the show. It's a wonderful source of new ideas and inspiration. So stay tuned regularly to High Energy Health. Also, for the next little while, I take a a three-month retreat every year. And I go away and just spend a lot of time in contemplation and deep, deep meditation. So we'll have Miriam Paninsky, who will be our guest host for that time. And we have a wonderful set of shows lined up with Miriam. So you'll find Miriam an inspiring human being. She's also the mentor for our Short Path to Oneness course. So if you've been hearing about non-duality, if you've been hearing about oneness, if you've been wanting to look at the possibility of moving into those elevated states as not just a uh, temporary experience, but as a as a as a trait building exercise where you build the traits of that sense of oneness with something greater than yourself. Then check out that program. It's called the Short Path to Oneness. It's at shortpath.org.org, not .com, but .org. Shortpath.org. And registration is about to close, so make sure if you'd like to do it, you register right away. For more on Emily's work again, check out her new book, Be Inspired by the Taste of Joy, and her website, emilyafrancisbooks.com. Emily, in the last part of our conversation today, I'd love to have you give us a few more of the practical exercises you have in the book, which we can apply in our lives, which we can use for self-inquiry, and we can use for helping ourselves shift some of those old patterns, old ways of being old self-concepts that don't serve us anymore. That makes me want to read some of the food for thoughts because I do ask, I just opened up one and I already talked about this, but what would you do if you had to do something different from what you are doing right now? What would you do if you were not always so afraid of what could go wrong and actually had the opportunity to have whatever it is that you really want come to life? So I do ask questions like that, but there's other things in here. Community to me, you talked about this, really important. Three questions that I always ask myself, always. I've done this for years. I got it from one of my mentors. Number one, who are you? And I don't mean like, oh, I am an author. I'm this. No, who are you? What do you stand for? What are the things you will tolerate in your life? What are the things that you won't? What are your boundaries? Really get into who you are. And then the other two questions, what do you want? Nothing about material. Absolutely nothing. What do you want? for your life and the game changer. What are you willing to do to get it? So there's a tons of things that we think about. We think we want. I honestly thought for years ago, I wanted to open a spa. I wanted to open a whole women's healing place because I'm a lymphedema therapist and I, and I work 
pre and post augmentation breast cancer. You know, if I did the prenatal, then I'd have the whole women's gamut, all these different things that I did. And I started thinking about all the things I wanted to do. I would offer childcare so the women could get away, get their massage, you know. And then, but it was more like decorating. What would the place look like? But then when my husband said, okay, drop the business plan. Just from doing the business plan, I realized I don't want to do that at all. At all. I just wanted to have the idea and the fantasy that the real day-to-day work is a zero. I don't want to work 10-hour days. I don't want to own something. I don't want to lose the flightiness of me. I don't like to be tied down. I don't like to have to show up to the same place day after day and do the same thing. And so I realized, what are you willing to do to get it? I wasn't willing to do any of the work that would be required. So then you have to go back and make a new goal that's actually within reason for what you really want in your life. Because what you want and what you're willing to do to get it Those have to match up. And many, most of the time, they don't. So that's a really good thing to think about, to focus on. What do you really want? What are you willing to do to get it? So let's again take one of those little pauses here and have people who are sharing this experience with us just ask themselves those three questions. So don't give it too much self-talk or argument about it, just whatever pops to your mind. So number one is, who are you? What do I stand for? What are my boundaries? Who do I think I am? Who are you? The great Indian sage Ramana Maharshi uh, had people ask themselves that one question, who are you? And he said, that's the path to enlightenment. So who are you? Ask yourself a question and just jot it down in a few words right now. So we'll take three breaths while you do that. <laughs> And you can develop that thought later on as you journal and contemplate it in a deeper way. The second question is, what do you want for your life? What do you want for your life? What do you really want for your life? Emily and I are here taking three long, deep breaths, giving you time to Make notes about that. And also, we're intending for you to really be able to go deep into your experience here. We care about you. That's why we write books, give talks like this. And we're there for you in this inquiry and having the best possible life. And the third question powerful question, the one that led Emily to not open a spa, (laughs) is what are you willing to do to get it? What are you willing to do to get it? We'll take three breaths again. And let you make a note about whatever that brings up. And again, you can journal later on. You can develop these questions later on. You can spend more time with these profound questions as you write about them, and as you meditate. What are you going to do to get that thing? Okay, more to come. And Emily, as always, it is always a profound joy to connect with you. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm just tickled pink about the way 
you've turned your move to Malta into another book and another wonderful chance to help everyone around you grow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love being on your show, Dawson. Mm, it's been a blessing and please stay tuned and come back next week. Till then, be healthy, be happy, fill your life with love. Thank you.